All right, what's up, everybody? I'm Stuart Anderson. Welcome to a new episode of the McDwelle Podcast. Grateful that you join us for this episode with Mr. Adam Barker. Do the work is the name of the episode, and you'll find out why it is called that from Adam. He's got a lot of great advice, not only for aspiring photographers, but cyclists, fathers, uh, businessmen, and anybody trying to establish a brand. So hopefully you'll enjoy this episode with Adam. I was grateful to spend the time with him yesterday for about an hour. So big thanks to him. Thankful for him as a teammate. He takes our team picture every year, which I'm sure he rolls his eyes at, but does so very graciously as he uses his skill to capture our picture at Sugar House Park. So uh, big love to Adam and thankful for him. All right, we've also got the team store open right now from Volet. Both black and red kits are available for 2023. Before you start purchasing kits, though, please pay the team fee, $100 team fee, which includes team camp and our big team event in August. So uh, team fee can be paid on our Shopify account, as well as you can purchase socks and other fun swag from the team. So uh, get your kits. January 9th, the store closes. All right, mark your calendars. April 13th through the 16th is team camp down in St. George. We hope everybody on the team can join us. And if you're looking for answers to anything that happens there, we have all the information about team camp on meduele.com. You can find a very specific page that details what camp is like, what you can expect, the routes, meals, uh, everything that goes into those few days down in team camp at St. George. So hopefully everyone can put that on their calendar and join us. All right, last announcement. Grateful for everybody that's joining us on Zwift. If you're not part of the Zwift ride, you can go to the Zwift Companion app and ask to join the Miduele Club. It's very easy. Once you've joined the club, you'll get notifications of all the team rides and all the team events that are going on on Zwift. We hope everybody can join us. It's a lot of fun, as well as a lot of fun prizes that are being given away by our sponsors, Volet and CyclingUpgrades.com. Uh, last week, Corby gave away these big canisters of gear wipes. I don't know if you saw them or not or know anything about them, but they're the Silica gear wipes and they're, it's, a, it's an incredible product. Corby sent me a, a, a barrel of them so I can understand what they are. But this is a wipe that we'd use to wipe off your hands. Uh, you would wipe down your bike. You would wipe down any gear after a ride or whether it's greasy or has grime on it or dirt on it. This is an incredible product that you, you can pop over to cyclingupgrades.com and buy them. It might be a fun gift for anybody, but I've been using them now as I get off Zwift. I wipe my bike down. I wipe down all my gear. I wipe down my hands. Uh, they are a really cool surface cleaning product, just this, this cool gear wipe that he is selling. So big thanks to Corby. Thanks to all of our sponsors for the 2023 year and the work that they do to make sure Miduele is successful. So with that, uh, enjoy this episode with Adam. Thanks to him and thanks for everybody listening. All right, enjoy uh, welcome, New Dwelling Podcast. This is uh, the Adam Barker edition. It's just the two of us. So blessed. Hey, uh, I've got a beautiful introduction written by your lovely wife. Very grateful for the time she spent. But before that, um, any announcements? What should we talk about? Your mustache. Oh, mustache. It's been a journey. I, I started, I graduated high school in 1997, which is also <laughs> the year that I started growing this mustache. <laughs> it looks... And it just... It just started to come in a couple months ago. It looks Start like I think at first we were like, oh, it's, that's fun. That's like, a, <laughs> now it's real. It's like a real thing. Yeah, no, at first it wasn't even like, that's fun. It was like Park City Point to Point's coming up and I might as well, you know, yeah. just there's going to be a dirt stash at the end anyway. <laughs> so let's make a mustache and then, huh. you know, to be perfectly honest, people just can't not talk about it. And you know that because it's you've had a mustache your entire life. It's bad. It, uh, so switch over to video if you're listening to audio. Just pop over to YouTube, take a look at this thing. I this it actually has created a great um, in my life. I do not comment on people's. I don't comment on people's looks <laughs> because I had a must. You, when you have a mustache, people just, they have to talk about it. You just don't want to start that battle. You don't want to get into that. But I will say. I think I think the pendulum swung when I was riding mountain bikes at Corner Canyon and I like slowed down to wait for Ash or somebody, my son. And this guy passes me. And as he's passing, he looks over his shoulder and goes, shit, mustache, bro. <laughs> like yells. That was one. Second one. 
uh-huh. when I was checking out of the Cafe Rio in Payson, Utah. Yes. I was down shooting fall scenic stuff up on the Nebo Loop. Go to Cafe Rio at the end of the day, tired, had Drew, Francisco. We'll talk about Francisco a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with me. And we get checked out. The guy's ringing us up. It's like this 17 year old kid. And he's like, hey, by the way, I love your mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm, I always, I'm in. I always tell people that it's not real. I'm like, oh, this is glued on. This isn't even a yeah. real mustache. Yeah, the, the, I, I actually take the opposite and I tell them that it's 100% human hair. <laughs> When I walked out for church two weeks ago, I'd shaven it. And my neighbor goes, oh, yeah, you look way better that way. <laughs> and I was like, cool. <laughs> Thanks so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, being perfectly honest, and then we can move on from the mustache. It's mm-hmm. it's like a daily affair here. We're, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold out a little bit for ski season. Good. And then, and then we'll just have to see. It looks good. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, the, the beauty about this experience is that as a reminder, the podcast was created with an attempt to connect different members of the team who you maybe don't know. Uh, and what I love about this is that cycling was the start of this beautiful relationship. I would not have known this lovely gentleman if it wasn't for this team and there's many of you who I would not even be friends with if it wasn't for cycling. So that is a fun way. Hopefully, this will be a good way to, to meet Adam. And uh, next time you see his mustache, say, I know I know a bit about you, young man. Very good. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll read this, but we can stop. We can stop at any moment. <clears throat> All right. All right. I'm going to take it away. Adam is a man of many passions. Should we stop there? Yep. Yep. That's good. And (laughs) let's wrap this episode. It's been great. Whether it's family, road and mountain biking, skiing, fishing, or taking photographs, he gives everything he does a hundred percent. If you know Adam, then you know that there's never a dull moment when in his company, making people laugh, his forte. He has a zest for life that is unmatched. That is true. That is true. Okay. You know, that is just a great word, zest. Can we just kind of <laughs> let that marinate for a second? Yeah, sometimes, just, sometimes these introductions feel like they could be copied and pasted into a eulogy. But uh, yeah, this is very good. This okay. is going to be a zesty podcast. <laughs> like Adam, grew, dressing. <laughs> Adam grew up at the base of the Wasatch Mountains that he loves so much. Graduated from Highland High, went on to obtain a degree at the University of Utah in communications. He worked for years in the ski industry until nine until. 2008 when he made the leap to take his passion for photography and turn it into a career since then he's traveled the globe capturing images that leave many speechless he has a way of he has a way of putting you in a place even if you're a thousand miles away he has been published all around the world and is an x games gold medalist Mm mm-hmm when he isn't holding a camera you can find adam on his bike in the mountains on the river teaching his boys to mountain bike ski fish or dirt bike that's lovely he has three boys that will follow him on any adventure that he'll take them on and there are many he's an amazing father that is teaching his boys to work hard to play hard to be honest and to stand for what is right and to grow a great mustache can can that be taught (laughs) i don't know my dad tried to teach me but only through his like the pictures of his wedding (laughs) and those are all time that's glued on. It's glued on. Son. Yeah. You in here? Hey, maybe uh, let's start. Let's start early life, Adam. Maybe introduce yourself. Uh, early family where you grew up. Is that a good place? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's great. Okay. Well, firstly, I should say thank you to my lovely wife. That was such a kind introduction. It was. And uh, you know, especially considering I slept on the couch last night, even <laughs> kinder. She wrote it. She wrote it yesterday morning. So. <laughs> All right. Lovely. Um. <laughs> So yeah, early life. I grew up. I actually went to um, I went to Churchill Junior High for seventh grade. I lived in Olympus Cove. Something that's actually quite interesting. I spent a year in Saudi Arabia uh, when I was seven years old. My what? dad, who is now a retired ophthalmologist, was doing a fellowship over there. So we lived over there for a year, which was rad. Damn, um, and uh, moved back. Lived in Olympus Cove for a couple of years. And uh, then my parents moved to the country club area when I was uh, 
let's see, seventh grade. So went to Hillside, went to Highland High School, absolutely loved it. If any, if for anybody that knows me, they pretty much know that my mental aptitude is pretty much still stuck in high school. <laughs> and I I could live in high school and college probably for the rest of my life and uh, not complain once. I don't know what that says about me. Uh, loved Highland High School, played soccer. This is somewhat mortifying to put out in the public arena. I was a cheerleader at Highland High School. Yes. I think I just need to own that. And And you know what? This is going to sound really ridiculous but it was cool okay it was like cool. a like a cheerleader like not the mascot you were like a real male cheerleader no, on the side we had like yeah it wasn't like the dude at the u games it's like the one person like in that group of like 20 girls who is an amazing dancer by the way he he uh, is very energetic by the way that's captivating he he kept, i can't take my eyes off it. I say. so okay. you know what we're just gonna put that out there because somebody's gonna bring it up no matter what uh went to the u um, studied public relations, uh, served a mission in uh, Italy, Italy for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints for mm-hmm. any non LDS people out there. Dude, talking um, about learning how to work hard—that's a toughie. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah, you know, Italy was was wild. It was it was awesome. I loved it. It was incredibly difficult as missions go, but I love I love the food, love the culture, love the people, love the language. So you learned um, to sp- came. Oh, you learned to speak. Ru- you learned to speak Russian. I did. It was it was awesome. I actually had to wait for my visa for like two ish months uh, while I served in Sacramento, and I would practice my Italian language skills on pine trees in the driveway. Perfect. Um, yes, it was pretty one sided dialogue, as you can imagine. <laughs> um but i came home from my mission with the tag still on my baptismal pants i did not baptize one person on my mission went through all this all six discussions as it were back then once Mm -hmm. um so had had quite a challenging mission but i i it's not like every missionary in italy has that kind of um experience i believe my mission was custom tailored to just humble the bejesus out of me which it did yeah for a period of time right yeah um and i truly believe that you know for those that have served missions or for those you know thinking about it or those that don't have any clue what missions are i I think they're quite custom tailored to each individual and yeah i loved it i loved it i still pray in italian you were probably humbled and then you were humbled and then you probably went home the next week because that was when it ended yeah exactly (laughs) exactly uh i was i was uh just to give you a little bit of insight like how it went for whatever reason i had an aptitude for learning languages and with within two or three months i was speaking better than my trainer and i was like your consummate kind of yeah i was probably this this cocky greenie mixed with an intense desire to just work really hard and so um, and I wanted to achieve, and I kind of had my sights set on, you know, um, get ha- getting some status on my mission. And so for 14 months, that was junior companion for 14 months, while everybody around me was getting their callings. And and let's we know it's not advancing um, up the the chain or the ladder on your mission, but that's what I thought, like as a as a young 19 year old. And then finally, I got right with it, realized what my purpose was out there, which was to work hard and serve the Lord. And, you know, I was working hard to that point. But um, I had, I had, I just kind of felt like my motives weren't entirely pure. And hmm. anyway, after that, like, totally different experience for me. But yeah, I, I credit my church mission with teaching me so many things about life and and truly it was a, an amazing training wheels as I put up for my career because yeah. I face I face as much rejection in my career as I do on my mission to be part uh, of <laughs> that's good I uh yeah. had a very similar experience in Ireland such a I think I thank Heavenly Father every day for that yeah. experience. it was incredible so dude you came home went to the U mm-hmm communications degree i gotta hear this this is a very intriguing part of your life so let's do it yeah so let's see i 
and and we'll talk about this a little bit later as well but skiing has always kind of dominated my life like i was the kid when i was younger just like my walls plastered floor to ceiling with ski posters magazines pictures um i every part of my trapper keeper or whatever it was that we carried around high school or college <laughs> back then was plastered with ski images i took the cover of the enzyme and pasted it over a ski magazine <laughs> so i could have it on my mission yes. <laughs> i was pretty obedient but other than that so skiing uh. just you know my schedule was built around skiing i, I studied communications because um let's be honest it's a pretty easy major wasn't entirely sure what i wanted to do my the like all of my family was doctors and i knew i did not uh want, at that point want to be a doctor so um chose to major in pr uh worked in the ski industry in public relations for about five years i should back up actually in college uh lived in the sigma chi house met my wife miranda as she lived in the chi omega house your typical sigma chi chi omega union hmm. um still going strong 20 years next year Phew. i think 20 years of marriage wow. um and yeah so met miranda graduated college went to work at ski utah right out of college walked in the door asked for an internship um they said sure worked there for a little bit of time um went to solitude mountain resort worked in marketing and pr up there for a year and then kind of finished my quote-unquote PR career at Ski Salt Lake, which was a part of the Salt Lake Convention and Visitors Bureau. And it was awesome. I learned so much. Um, but there was certainly a ceiling both to what you could do in terms of career and what you could earn. Um, and in that time, also just became incredibly enamored with photography. It had started before, you know, but I, I remember sitting at work and Instead of doing what I was really supposed to be doing when it was slow, I would just browse photo magazines. And, and I mean, it just, it owned my life. And then I got to the point finally where in 2008, and I've been talking to Miranda about it for a little while, um, established, a, got a business license in, in 2007. But um, in 2008, finally convinced Miranda after about a year and a half to, to let me pursue photography as a career. And we had one kid another one on the way. Um, it was in 2008, the great recession, right? There could not have been a worse time. Mm -hmm. But I just knew in my person, in my bowels, in every part of me, I just knew I'm in like, his loins. in my yep, in, in every fiber of the loins of my bowels of my being, <laughs> that I had to, I had to know I had to either chase it, or I had to chase it and fail. I had to chase it and succeed, or I would chase it and fail. But at least I knew that I would, I, I could not, I can't live my life without knowing that. So to her credit, she came on board and we made those decisions, not lightly, you know, um, through a lot of prayer and, and just mm. ultimately that was it, right? Like we felt like we had the Lord's blessing, which was a huge boom because it was not easy never has been never will be but incredibly rewarding and and yeah that that that's kind of the the college part of my life and then a little bit after you know did you have a photography mentor who was walking you through this or were you solo solo fully solo i had i so the the formal training i had was a black and white film class at high school at highland um, <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my introduction to photography and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, I didn't pick up a camera and be like, you are my density. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean my destiny. Uh, I, I liked it, but it, it was, I don't know. Anyway, started shooting more and more and, and, you know, through college and whatnot, but never had a mentor fell in love with landscape photography. So there were certainly photographers that I looked to and admired their style. And just, that's kind of what, um, I guess got me charging down that path, but no, I just, I, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I would just share my work. I, I, I think I realized at a certain point that there was a bulk uh, and intense passion for the art of photography and then kind of just a desire to, to share it with others and ultimately a desire to make it my career. I never, ever, 
in a million years would have put down a photographer as my hopeful career um, when I was younger. Hmm. But yeah, no mentor. I just, I shot, I've read a lot of books, read a lot of articles, shot a ton of crappy pictures and shot a few good ones here and there. And I always tell people the biggest difference between a professional and an amateur is that a professional never shows you all his amateur photos because mm. they're there. <laughs> mm. Kind regards. Very good. Kind regards. Love okay. well, uh, Let me get a hit, sip here in my Zaxby's. Let's, uh, I, I want to talk more about photography, but it sounds like maybe that's coming here uh, a little sure. bit later. Let's talk just for one second about early athletics. I mean, I've seen water skiing pictures. I've seen t- you play tennis. You like soccer. I mean, right? Athletics yeah. was big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wasn't like, I was never the best at anything and probably still remains that that remains the case, but I love doing it. And, you know, me and my best friend, Rob Wood, Rob and I, we would, we would play our, our summer existence was wake up, put on the rollerblades, rollerblade down to the Salt Lake swimming and tennis club, play tennis for about two hours, um, go swimming, order a grilled cheese on Rob's account when he wasn't looking, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) swim a little bit more, go play some more tennis and then go home. And we do that like every day. So played a ton of tennis, took a lot, took lessons to my parents' credit. That's ultimately why my family moved, um, from Olympus Cove down to the country club areas. Cause you know, I got, so I got five siblings. We were spending so much time at the tennis club between tennis and swim team, which I freaking hated. I hated swim team. I would pray (laughs) every morning that my dad was driving me to swim team that the light would turn red and i can't tell you dude how many times i got lined up with my two pig legs in my freaking saggy speedo because we were screwing around in the showers and the swim team coach oh my God. <laughs> lined us up and made like made an example out of us and he's like this is what happens when you suck at swimming or whatever he would say and we're just like whatever this, this water's cold let's go take more showers um so yeah, uh, soccer from a very early age. That soccer is the only team sport I played in high school. Soccer, tennis, and soccer were in the same season. But played soccer my whole life, um, and and into college a little bit. Loved to water ski, loved to snow ski, and honestly was mountain biking back then when mm. it wasn't really much of a thing. I remember buying my very first mountain bike down at Bikeboard Blade. Remember nice. that place? No, where was right that? Down. Well, uh, it's like way obscure down on 7th east i don't know what it is now okay. but it was the scott with those sweet old yellow rock shocks that nice. worked from way back when and i yeah. rode it to baskin robbins which was my first job yes and yeah every night Dude, that's uh, until great. i got my license i guess or maybe i was grounded from driving i don't remember what i <laughs> probably that dude so i mean that probably fueled a lot about because um, if you don't know anything about adam's photography hopefully you do uh it, it is action i mean you would consider yourself actions i mean that is like your the genre pitch right? is yeah active lifestyle and outdoor yeah you know? okay yeah you don't do pet weddings or um... i do i actually i do pets i do weddings and i do pet <laughs> weddings Those, that's my that's the <laughs> elevator pitch that's the real elevator pitch within the circle of trust i'll get you three good pictures <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, maybe before we talk about your career, which I think is, is fascinating. Everything about Adam's career is so cool. Maybe talk about your three boys. Can you share? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Share about that lifestyle. I mean, Miranda mentioned it for a little bit about, uh, but I, if you, if you've ever watched Adam's socials or if you're good friends, uh, this is a huge part of his life, big commitment to these three boys, the experiences that they have. I mean, he takes the, uh, you know, if you watch an Instagram story, one of my most favorite things is here's Adam filming the sunrise. And then he pans right, and <laughs> there's Drew. Drew's sitting there's there. Drew. <laughs> or, or you know, he's mountain biking, and uh, he's shredding. And then, you know, there's Ashton. So it really is the truth, um, inspiring as a dad to see you sharing all these cool things with your sons. Maybe talk about that for a bit. Yeah, that's super kind of you, by the way. Um, I think first I got to give credit to my dad, right? Um, my dad is probably... Oh, the kindest, most honest person I know. That is, that's true. That's just it. He is so much better than me. I don't know that he's ever uttered even a fraction of the words that have come out of my mouth, whether in anger or jest or fill in the blank. So my dad was an amazing example. Hmm. Um, and I, and I think that it, it, that is the culture 
that I was brought up in is being a good father. My dad didn't have the time that I have. Uh, you know, he was a doc and mm. he went to work the same job every day, you know, at the Salt Lake Clinic until he retired. And we did plenty of awesome things. And he taught me how to ski. He, he's a terrible fisherman. He hates fishing. So he did not teach me how to fish. Um, but he was always very active and, and loved to ski. But I think I just feel, um, I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate to have the time that I have given my career and to have the interests, hobbies, and passions that I have. And, uh, you know, simply there, there's a couple of things. It's just way more fun with, <laughs> with my boys now that they're at an age. Sometimes it's not. If I'm being honest, sometimes like it's it's very much a labor of love, like when you're teaching them to ski and and there's two feet of power and everybody knows this, you know, um, but for the most part, it is so much more fun with them, both doing it with them, but seeing them achieve and watching them, you know, progress and find passions of their own. Um, and, you know, I just feel this intense obligation to help them experience life to the fullest and if one of the ways i can do that is through hobbies and passions and making memories then that's what i want to do yeah. yeah they're good boys yeah they are good boys i'd be very fortunate if one of my daughters ended up with one of your boys <laughs> <laughs> we'll see they're steadily digressing <laughs> hey we gotta get back together with the barker <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> very good hey um maybe talk about if you if you've ever spent time with Adam, one thing that I love about him when it comes to his career is he really uh we you talk like it's a like it's all uh fun and games, but dude, you work hard. It is a lot of hustle, it's a lot of work. You're kind of like on the grind all the time trying to make I mean, you started from freaking scratch. Maybe yeah. um yeah, maybe talk about that, like what you learned from your career and how that's kind of guided yeah. your life philosophy. For sure. Well, I think the first thing to understand is that everybody wants to do, well, not everybody, but there's a lot of people that want what I have. And I don't say that in an arrogant or a beating my chest sense at all, but it, it's just, it's traveling the world. You know, the, the glamorous parts are traveling the world, working with amazing people, getting cool gear, um, having a tangible product that you are creating that people can appreciate you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it's, there's so much about it, but mostly it's, it's the part of like traveling the world, going to cool places, getting paid to do it. That is about maybe <laughs> I'd say eight to 10% of my job. <laughs> um, and, and thus it's a very crowded house. Every yeah. kid and especially with social media and the advent of digital photography and fill in the blank with all the access that we have to imagery and media and content. Um, every kid from 12 to to late 20s and beyond wants to be an outdoor photographer. And, and they should because it's incredibly fun. The caveat to that is you still got to make a living. Like likes and double taps and pats on the back and compliments and, you know, high fives are all super rad. But they sure don't pay the bills and they don't right. put food on the table. And so I have learned to balance, um, you know, having, having fun, finding a career that I love and ultimately, um, building a brand that is, that can be, has been, hopefully will be, um, will continue to be successful. And there's a big difference between, you know, shooting great pictures and making a career as a photographer. Right. And if there's one thing, if, and, and you're, you know, speaking to what you were saying about always grinding and always hustling. I mean, it's the truth. As a freelance employee, anybody can speak to this, whether they're, you know, a photographer or um, they're a dentist and they work for themselves or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, if, they're, if you're working for yourself, if you're not moving forward, you're only moving backwards. There's no neutral. There's no, you know, I'm going to just hover here and let, let work come to me you know, 15 years into my career with, uh, and with a name that, um, I would say is recognized in some circles and, uh, um, you know, a portfolio that speaks for itself. I, I would, I still have to hustle every bit as hard, if not harder 
than I was in year two or three. And that to me has come honestly as a little bit of a surprise like that in the, in the later part of my career has been a little bit of a slap in the face. Like, dang, you know, if you thought you were going to be working any less hard, um, you were wrong. Welcome. Welcome to year 15. (laughs) Mangles. Mangles. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean, no, you go. I, I would say balance that with the other thing that it's taught me is nothing is impossible, right? Yeah. Like I have, and, and failure is just a stepping stone to your next success. I was, I used to be terrified of failing. Hmm. Like thinking that, you know, especially in the early part of my career, if, if I had one workshop that was a failure, or if I had one client the, the job didn't go as well as I'd hoped that, that that was it for me. And I've just learned that over the years, I mean, inevitably there's going to be some failures and I mean, it's cliche, but how, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to failure? Is it, is it, do you learn from it or do you wallow in your sorrow, you know, mm. and, and just throw in the towel. And yeah. I've, I've had a number of very frustrating, um, frustrating obstacles and and um, incidences in my career as everybody does you know I think it was 2016 if I remember right was an absolutely brutal year Mm. and um, just just banging my head against the desk trying to get work and and feeling like I had the portfolio to get this work but just the things were not aligning I, I can remember Miranda coming in to my office one day and I just broke down in tears like which I just don't do. I was trying so hard and, and just felt like I was doing everything right and nothing was happening, nothing. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. Like, you know, it's very month to month. And yeah, um, it all worked out. It always works out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was difficult. And since then, it's been great, but still plenty of obstacles. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know much about your industry, but I would consider you industry leader, uh, example. Tell us a bit about, um, how you stand out in your career. I've seen it on socials, the way that you lead and the way that you teach, uh, the, what you stand for, which is really fun. Like even inspiring for somebody in my industry to have a brand and stand by it, to be proud of the work that you're trying to accomplish and not some pushover, um, I think you're trying to accomplish more than just taking great shots, but maybe can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. First and foremost, thank you for the kind words. That honestly, that's super nice of you and I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, I think about, I guess, first of all, I, I feel, um, I feel like I've carved out the opportunity to be an authority on some things about photography, you know, whether that is the technical aspects of it. Um, I'm a photographer's photographer, which means I am a student of composition and light and technicality. I'm not the guy that puts the camera on auto and just holds mm. down the shutter button and sprays, um, you know, sometimes to a fault. Like there's some clients that I am not able to shoot for or they don't really dig my style because I'm, I'm just too particular about the particulars. Um, but in any case, it's created a platform for me, um, for teaching, you know, and I love to teach. I have done workshops all over the world from Southeast Asia to Antarctica to here in Utah. Um, and I've done online courses where I've put together, you know, tutorials for both photographers wanting to learn the creative trade and also the business trade. Um, so I really do enjoy teaching and, um, you know, I, I'd say also, you know, as far as the creative side goes, I don't consider myself an innovator in any sense. You don't see me out there pushing um, the creative boundaries of photography. I'm not doing crazy things with lights or, I don't know. I just, you know, I consider myself a fairly traditional photographer that I would hope has learned the craft um, somewhat well. Uh, but I think a big push with me in, photography has been the business of photography because Mm. it's such a crowded house our strength is in our numbers if i'm going to be hanging out with eight billion of my closest friends that are trying to get the same client i am Mm. then i would love to level the playing field 
you know, and at least have people charge a decent rate for their work to mm -hmm. value their work, um, to value their brand, to value what they bring to the table beyond an index finger, you know, that can push a black button on a box. That's not why people hire you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would hope, I would hope to do that. And I think ultimately when I think about, um, you know, my brand or, or my ethos or what I try and put out there from a business standpoint, it's two words. And that is like, be, and this is so dumb, but it's just very simple. It's be great. And I don't mean like be great in like, in, in the work that you're producing. I truly believe that if you, cause I would believe, I, I truly think one of the hallmarks of my brand is transparency. I think you probably know that from following me on social media is that there's very little, I won't allow you to see um, yeah. whether it's faults, whether it's triumphs. Um, I don't hold my creative secrets close to the vest because mm. I didn't, they're not secrets. Everybody, <laughs> they, you know, no matter what you think, you know, they're not secrets, but I truly believe that putting good out into the world comes back to you uh, many times over. And you can call that financial success. You can call that friends um, for life. You can call that um, loyalty. Um, I have just, that's how I live my life. That's how I run my business. And it has, or tried to live my life and tried to run my business. And it has never failed me, like in terms of what has come back to me. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Um, maybe before we get too old, we need to get on audio here, the story of the X games medal. So it can live, <laughs> so it can live in history for all yeah. time. I we oh, I gotta yeah. know. Start from beginning. How it happened. Every because I think it'd be fun. I'll put the picture up in the in the video so sure. you can see it. But uh, maybe tell that whole story because it's awesome. So the athlete is Julian Carr, and anybody that knows anything about skiing knows that Julian occupies a way legit space in that scene. Um, Julian is old like me now. Sorry, Jules, you're old. <laughs> We're forty three. Yet somehow this guy is still just launching himself into space um so julian and i have known each other since college we were pledge brothers um in at sigma chi um and you know i knew him before he was a professional skier and he knew me long before i was a professional photographer and we just stayed super close and so we have this great rapport we were up at brighton um on this particular day it was a deep day and we've done some pow shots and i don't to be honest i don't shoot a whole lot of cliff shots i don't shoot excuse me i don't shoot a whole lot of air shots and the reason being is because i shoot a lot of skiing in utah and utah like all the cliffs have the flattest landings so you just punish yourself and and most of the time they just don't look that great and they don't get published so you know air shooting cliffs is not really my um my forte but in any case Shot some power shots. It was really deep. Jules had an idea that he, you know, this is a pretty famous cliff that we were going to go check this out. And he went up, we went down, down low and probed the landing. Um, and he's very meticulous. Like for, for such a risky endeavor, he mitigates the risk like as much as he can. It, it's pretty remarkable to, to watch him work. He stays incredibly calm. So figured out that it was good to go. Um, actually I was down there probing around. He had stayed up on top of the cliff and, and, you know, my goal with every photo is to kind of draw you into this, you know, viewing journey, um, to hold your attention. And I can do that quite easily with landscape photos and, and other imagery, but it's really difficult with an action photo to create an image that that stands on its own photographically and also speaks to the enormity or the scale or the just unbelievable nature of the action taking place. Yeah. It's Julian hucking an 80 foot front flip, right? <laughs> so how can I, how can I, how can I show how rad that is? Yeah. But still take pride in it myself as a, as a photo, right. As, right. as a photographer. So anyway, I'll, I'll try and shorten the story, you know, um, when he's standing up there, um, the athlete, I make the athlete throw a snowball off the, their takeoff so I can see their trajectory. Um, and I want to know what he's going to look like. I, I, that's how I kind of put together my composition. And, 
And I said, are you going to do a straighter? Are you going to do a front flip? Okay. He says, I'm going to do a front flip. And okay. I, I find my composition and I, I tell him, I'm like, okay, I need you to be at the apex of your front flip. Like, you know, half a second, one second max from takeoff. This is where my space for you is in this frame. Because in this frame, I'm not moving the camera with him. I've found my frame and I'm holding it still. And so he's good to go and he's just about ready to drop. And I'm like, wait, you gotta wait, you gotta wait. Because this the sky was cloudy, just kind of slate, like gray structure was clouds. And I just knew that that's, I, I didn't want that. I needed some sort of structure in, in the clouds and in the sky. And so he was just about to take off. I made him wait a little bit longer, which is no easy feat when you're standing at the top of an 80 foot cliff. And <laughs> finally clouds came by little bit of little bit of blue in the sky he goes click click and he sounded like a freaking meteor re-entering the earth's atmosphere as he came by me and keep in mind like i don't see i'm looking through my frame the entire time just you know standing on the shutter button right that's how that's how you shoot action is is you find your composition grab focus and then you do you shoot 12 frames per second um 14 whatever your camera does and so i'm still looking through my camera when i'm just like (laughs) You know, and he hits the snow, and so I drop the camera, look at him, he's good to go, he pops right back up, and we were just stoked. And I knew, I knew that it was a keeper, man. Like, when I looked at it, and I'm I'm pretty critical of ski shots, but I just, I I really thought it was something special. Yeah. The, the really interesting thing about this is I sent it to Powder Magazine. Dave Reddick is, was the editor there for years and years. Powder has since gone away, which is, like, just a, a dagger to the heart um but he's like yeah you know this is cool but i feel like i've seen this a million times wow. i'm like what? what i was like julian and i lost our mind and i have a great relationship with dave reddick i'm like whatever all right that's fine you know like i i love this shot it's gonna go somewhere yeah and sure enough submitted it to the x game zoom photo contest and won us a gold medal, 10,000 bucks. You know, I got the medal. I, I wear it every day. The only time I take it off is when I'm taking a shower. Wait, where is it? You know? It's the truth. Uh, I've seen the pictures. Yeah. You know, I, we were actually sitting, they, they made the announcement on primetime ESPN, you know, X games were going, we should find the clip, man. It'd be pretty rad to put yeah, up. I'll but we were at my, I'll send it to you. We were at my parents' house and truly like, I was holding out no hope. I've lost a lot of photo contests in my life mm. and this was going to be no exception. And I was not particularly invested in it. I truly wasn't. I was one of the finalists, but whatever, you know, yeah. like I can't tell you and photo contests are so subjective. Um, and in any case, and this one was won by popular vote. Right. Um, that's right. We voted. Yeah, that's right. So we're sitting there watching and and they announced my name as the winner and we just lost our minds. Like my whole family and like people were jumping up and down. Ashton was jumping up and down. I was holding the baby or somebody <laughs> gave me, a ba- I don't even remember. I was holding one of my sister's babies. I'm like, take this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was rad. Dude. So cool. So fun. Yeah. It's only cool too. Cause I, I remember like a couple weeks later, like a couple of days the box comes with that freaking giant mm-hmm. gold necklace. Like, I, I gotta, so yeah, awesome. I gotta be honest. The, the gold medal is so much cooler than I it's ever so thought cool. it would be. We've <laughs> since gotten it framed um, in this shadow box with a, with a picture of the, with the print, you know, and it's cool. It's cool. I have to say totally unexpected. Never thought I would take um, a whole lot of like pride in it, but it's pretty rad. Yeah. It's awesome. I think it's awesome. Very fun. Thank you. Hey, uh, I wanted I wanted to ask a few questions about. So, um, Adam and I have actually, as I thought about it over the last couple of days, we've experienced a lot of, like a lot of the firsts. Don't make this come off wrong. A lot of my firsts have come with Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so flattered. I'm blushing. <laughs> uh, uh, but a, a few of those are bike races that we've done together. Um, we did Rockwell relay when we barely even knew each other one year. It was so fun. Some of the best, well, at the time it was not fun, but then now I memories. Think we are were so... both dumber after that. There's <laughs> no question. We, I lost a good portion of brain. But, that. uh, I've got some, so, okay. Some rapid fire questions here as we kind of yes. move in. Okay. Favorite bike, favorite bike you've ever owned. 
Ooh, I think it's my current. Well, actually, favorite bike has got to be my mountain bike, my current mountain bike. Yeah, the SP100. They don't make it anymore. It is just an absolute cross country laser, yet somehow descends hmm. unbelievably well. That's fun. Okay, favorite yeah. country. Favorite country you've ever visited? Where's the Where's like the coolest place you've ever been? I mean, I've been a lot of cool places, but my favorite country is Italy, hands down. Yeah. Can't I just can't not. Like I could go to Italy for every year for the rest of my life and never get sick of it nice uh favorite race favorite maybe favorite race favorite race memory wow that is a tough one honestly like i have we we i've moved on from lodija for a period Mm -hmm. of time i'll probably Mm -hmm. come back at some point i don't know that i can pinpoint a favorite lodija but i would just say um, Lodija just has such great memory, memories. The early ones with you guys and Chip, and mm-hmm. and it's just I I am not a great Lodija racer. You know, I just can never seem to have like the greatest day ever. But I've had some really dark Lodija days, <laughs> and I can I actually I could say I, I can tell you one one of my greatest memories. It wasn't at the time, but uh, it was either my first or second loaded Joe, where I just absolutely imploded when you get, when you and chip cruise by me, I, I went too early in the break. Mm, I remember burned that. way like too many matches. Like 2015 now. I, I think it was like 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Back when wheels were square. I uh, waste against Wilford Woodruff. Yeah. I, I, I raced against <laughs> Wilford Brimley. <laughs> with, <the> with diabetes. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, this is so dumb. Hey, <laughs> anyway, you guys, I, I broke too early, just burned way too many matches going up strawberry. You and Chip rode by me, and I had like palm sized knots in my hamstrings. I was pushing them back into my, like literally trying to push them back into my legs. And the next, like, geez, I don't even know how long, climbing up Salt River. Mm-hmm. Um, I was literally going backwards i remember a kid like 17 year old kid i don't know how old what the youngest age of a competitor is but he rolls by and i was riding that stupid bike i don't even remember what it was made of two picks um and he's like hey great bike i'm like and i literally i don't know what i said but i i I could not put any power into my pedals or my legs would cramp up got to the top of salt river literally had a good cry uh, down to red bull came down pedaled into alpine on one pedal because i had to i couldn't pedal with my other leg it was just cramping got to there and i was so i i was so heartbroken to see miranda and tell her that i thought my race was done you know and i just didn't see how physically i could come back from it i it was just so brutal and my body could not pedal without cramping up and burger and fries johnny came over this is when i got my introduction to pickle juice mm-hmm. so so li- literally i i got help getting off my bike my back was cramping my arms were cramping everything was cramping laid down he brings over this jar of pickle juice mm-hmm. get a couple bottles of gatorade a couple bananas and keep in mind too like let's talk about the early years of cycling and how we knew absolutely nothing about fueling our bodies right <laughs> and so you know, I'm like, you got any Snickers? You got any, I don't know, Oreos? Like, I swear that's how we would like, uh-huh. or, or you went the other direction and you're like, I, I take a rice cake with, you know, on, on a full moon and I like to inject like just a, some. A, a raw potato. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you can get like some sea urchin in there as well, they tell me that <laughs> that really adds to longevity oh, on these rides. Anyway. Uh, 25 minutes later, I think I got back on the bike and honestly kind of came back to life and had a great, uh, last part of the race, but Johnny was a freaking lifesaver. He wasn't riding that year. He was supporting his sister. Yeah. Heidi. And, didn't, your mean, da- I, didn't your dad show up too? Was that the year that he my rode dad? Yeah. Him? My dad was at that race and my parents would like, yeah, it, they would pass me and they were like cheering me on, but I, it, it was dark. I mean, you know, yeah. it was dark. That was a good day yeah um very good what about uh one thing i love you're always up for the sunrise you got a favorite place for sunrise hmm, that is a good question 
you know, the middle Provo river is pretty spectacular. It's kind of crowded from a fishing standpoint, but with Mount Timpanogos in the background, they gets early light and, yeah. you know, like it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. There's other places, but that's a pretty awesome spot. Do you remember taking me up in a helicopter? I do. I do. <laughs> that was rad. We're that was terrifying. Shoot for daybreak. Uh-huh. Yep. This is this must have been really kind of before I mean it wasn't before was it before drone? I, or were, I don't even know. It would have been 20, 2018, maybe 2017. No, it wasn't before drone. So we had drones. I guess we were just doing an aerial shoot. Hmm. And I had an extra seat. So I figured why not call Stu? And yeah, man, that was really fun. Doors I'd off, never, right? I'd never doors off, dude. I'd never even been that in was a helicopter. First time in a helicopter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do a lot more of that before drones, shooting, you know, out of helicopters and high wing planes to get aerial shots. And drones have since changed that a little bit. Still, still the best way to do it is from a helicopter because you can use your big camera, you know? Yeah. That was a good time. Very good. All right. We're going to transfer into some advice here. But before so, um, maybe you've been around a lot of athletes. Mm -hmm. What have What have you learned from being around not like learn, but like, what do you, you walk away from a weekend with a pro and you're like, wow, or not. Wow. I mean, what do you learn from being around them? What kind of life is that, that you assimilate or don't assimilate? Yeah. Well, I think first we should designate that these athletes are incredibly skilled at what they do, but it wouldn't be like a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, uh, Roger Federer or, or those guys. However, they, could be considered a version of that within their respective discipline, right? But, you know, within the core action sports, you know, arena, there just isn't that kind of global recognition, save for 0.001%. First thing I've learned, they're just normal people, right? Rad people, for the most part, especially in the outdoor and action sports community, they're usually pretty humble, because nobody loves people that just spray from their mouth like all the people that i know and it's really kind of how i've tried to to live my life in my career and in my athletic exploits as well is like just prove with your actions right like nobody wants if you have to tell somebody how good you are mm. then red flag mm. red flag right um but the normal people with an exceptional skill set um and also I've learned, especially like with skiing, for example, that everybody has their strengths. Like, you know, I had athletes that I would work with that I knew if I was shooting a side profile powder shot, that they were the one, like that their pole placement, you know, which was very important in getting published. Like if your pole was, you know, jacked up or down or over your face or weird, whatever, that you wouldn't get published. So there were certain certain skiers that I were, would know would be good for side profile. There's other skiers that I knew would be really great straight on. There's other skiers that are really flippy, spinny and good at tricks. Some are really good at just big straight air. Some are good at yeah. all of it, you know? Um, so everybody has, has their strengths. Um, and, you know, I've, I've learned to communicate especially well with athletes over the years because my job as um, the person that's seeing the finished product in my head like if they have no clue what's going on right um in front of the lens so i need to be able to communicate verbally what i see um visually and so that's really helped me to just break things down to a very simplified um brief easy to digest instruction or approach where they're like okay this is what we gotta do we gotta get it done quick you know this is what i need from you um and i would say lastly it's just the value of teamwork hmm. like for everything but landscape photography um which you're doing primarily by yourself every other image that i create is a collaboration whether that's with athletes or with assistants with stylists with um uh, uh with producers with creative directors it's all a collaboration and hmm. so um teamwork and the value of good team members and creating a, an exceptional dynamic between people um like the camera you, you people say this i mean it's a dumb adage but the camera doesn't lie 
And that's the truth. Like if I don't have a good relationship with the person in front of the camera, mm. or at least a relationship, it it probably it, it's probably just not going to work out um, particularly well, or to the extent that it could. So team, the value of teamwork is, you know, irreplaceable. Nice, good. That's great. Um, as we wrap up, I don't even know how long yes. we've been up. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I've asked in an hour. I asked you to prepare some, yeah, whatever life advice, and whether that's for photographers or for cyclists. If you've never ridden with Adam, he will bury you on a climb. You do not want to be on Marzac to Empire with him. Oh, not true all the time. <laughs> Certainly not. Well, not in since you had the rash, but I mean, since that's yeah. cleared. It's not cleared. Still incredibly <laughs> contagious. I'm if I'm touching you through this screen, you might get it. But maybe um, maybe go there. Any do you want to do you want to share advice with a photographer? <laughs> I do. Adam and I was about it. Yeah, I, I wrote down some notes here. Okay, actually. great. Let's do it. Um, so three pieces of advice for any young photographer. One, create work you are proud of. You know, mm. like and that it, it's kind of like a, a combination of like I always say, do the work, do the work, be willing to do the work gosh, I get so many kids reaching out to me wanting to <clears throat> kind of get the silver bullet to being successful and making a career in photography. And probably the first thing that comes to mind every time is just do the work because mm. it seems like in the younger generations, and I won't say this is true for everyone, but there is a tendency to want to bypass the work part of it and have the success without putting that work in. So do the work and create work that you um, really can hang your hat on. Um, and maybe that is work for a client. Maybe it's personal work, whatever it might be. Second, um, establish a network of people that believe in you and your product. And I believe this nice. could go, the, this could be true for photography. It could be true for your next girlfriend or boyfriend. It could be true for your husband or, and, and wife, whatever, whatever line of work you're in. I think we are ultimately successful in life thanks to the relationships that we've established and maintained across mm -hmm. all the years that we've been on earth. Because I truly don't believe that there's anybody that has ever accomplished any magnitude of greatness all on their own merit or exploits. I just don't. Um, and so the greater network of people you have that believe in you, not just as a photographer or as a worker, but as a person, um, and as somebody that will always do right by them and do your best for them, I think establishing a network um, of people that know you, believe you, believe in you, trust you is invaluable. Nice. Um, and the last thing, and this is really primarily for any photographer looking to make the transition into full-time professional photography is don't straddle the fence. Like, don't sit there with, I, I, I totally understand that, you know, for a period of time, you've got to maybe um, have a day job and then kind of dabble in photography, but there's going to come a point where you've got to just jump in. And I, again, believe this is the case with so many things that I, I think, I think by and large, human nature is to not fail if failure is not an option. And if you don't give yourself the option of failing by like when I, when I jumped off to do this full time in 2008, like I said, one kid, another on the way, mortgage to pay, um, very little savings, you know, by all accounts, you know, logistically, it was, a, it was a terrible decision, but I just knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that I could do it, especially with the support of Miranda. And so uh, jump, jump in, commit yourself to doing to, to go in the distance and and you know like i said if, if it doesn't work out for some reason then that failure in my opinion is just a stepping stone to to another great success in life nice so that that would be my photography advice for you asked for three pieces yes. of advice for cyclists yes we're, we're yes. on a cycling podcast yes we are um i mean you've seen a lot of dudes you've seen a lot of ups and downs yeah you, do you write some have, down so number okay. one have yeah. fun right is that, it, I, that's really too simple, but it's not because there is so much pointless ego in what we do, right? <laughs> yes. And there are, we could use some, I could, it's remarkable that it, we, mostly me, mostly <laughs> I have gotten through this podcast without 
some really poor language. I could use other terms for what happens on many rides. And I do when I'm on those rides. And I apologize to the to the ears out there that have fallen victim to my sailor mouth. But yeah, man, I have fun. Like we're just riding bikes and it, you know, yes, sometimes it's more than that, but truly for us as amateurs, it's never that much more than that. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um to ride within your comfort fitness and skill level maybe Mm. be willing to push it you know to the edge of that that's what challenges you i think that's what we love about cycling but there is nothing worse than being on rides where you are getting wrecked like where let's just say you're beyond your capabilities and whether that's because you are absolutely miserable on your saddle or you feel bad because you're holding your buddies back or whatever it might be. And there's a big difference between having a bad day and putting yourself in situations that you know you're probably not really Mm -hmm. cut out for. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, it's that that applies to mountain biking. It applies to road biking. Um, You know, yeah, it would be that. And then lastly, I I think it's great to give yourself a race or a training goal, Mm. but with a caveat, I just, don't think you should let it own you like how many of us let Lodija just own us all summer mm-hmm. and you got it in the back of your head and you know i i think it took me about five years when i kind of got overloaded it finally but i've mm-hmm. applied this to point to point um to to just like live in a space where i feel like i'm working hard and doing my best to train and, and put forth a respectable effort but you know it's it's still just riding a bike, right? And <laughs> it's not worth missing your own wedding for. <laughs> it's not worth, it might be a great excuse to get out of a family reunion. I would mm. totally, totally back that. I got a train, can't miss it. Um, you know, when I was like early years of Lodija, I took a trainer down to Lake Powell to put on the top of the houseboat. That is the, and I totally ate it. <laughs> But that's the dumbest thing. I look back, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And in my head at the time, I'm like, I'm just committed. I'm so committed, which that's one way to look at it. But yeah, whatever, whatever, man. Like I would say have a race or a training goal that pushes you and that gives you something to work towards. So you're not just aimlessly pedaling out there, but yeah, you know, don't let it on you. Good. That's good. Yeah. What about uh, 2023? Will we have a gravel bike? Will What about, will you have a new cycling product for us? I mean, what? Yes. Any, any updates for, okay, go. Dude, I would love a gravel bike, first of all. I'm trying to mm-hmm. figure that out. I'm trying okay. to, I, I just, I love mountain biking so much right now. I just don't know that I can put another bike on the wall. But right. in any case, I have been working on a, a startup for the last year or so. It's mm-hmm. called Bolt skin and shave it's a it's gonna it's a skin and shave brand for men who shave their legs so it's gonna live in the cycling space it's gonna live in the triathlete the swimming the crossfit the other athlete spaces and ultimately i hope to scale it to a place where it has broad appeal to a general men's consumer but i have been working a lot to be honest to to advance this forward and it's pretty frustrating but working with a designer on designing razor right now we're almost around two designs i've been working with a local lab on formulating um our foundational product suite which will be a gel to foam shaving gel we'll have Mm -hmm. an aftershave lotion as well as an aftershave lotion with a recovery element like cbd but but beyond that hey drew um Francisco poking his head in. Beyond that, we'll have a razor designed specifically for men to shave their legs. Because right now, there's pink razors for women to shave their legs, and there's mm-hmm. men's razors. Um, hey, it's <laughs> and there's men's razors to shave faces, right? And yeah. the it. greater majority of us out there are using our wife or our girlfriend's razor with soap. And you know, I'm not going to give you the whole origin story. It'd be fun to do a, a podcast in a couple yeah. of years on Bolt because I hope it to be very successful but i just think it's a space that is slowly getting destigmatized and i think there's an opportunity to uh, to really own that space and speak to a huge number of of men that shave their legs well, so i'm excited man 
shave them every day. I can't wait. Yeah, summer 2024 is, is the likely launch. I was oh. hoping to do it 2023, but it's just not possible. Dude, Still a lot of moving, a lot of moving parts in that thing. Crazy. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. Just had a email from her or an exchange with a with a factory in Finland on the oh. razors, trying to figure it all out. Really? Yes. Finnish lasers. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> Good. Um, Adam, thank you. You are a Dude, thank you. No, I uh I really uh if you guys didn't know it, I really admire, I am so grateful for this friend of mine. Uh he's a man of faith, if you didn't know that. Um openly shares his faith and i'm very grateful for that uh extremely hard worker which i admire in every way not just at his job and a loyal friend he calls me on when i'm an idiot he out it comes and i'm grateful for a friend like that you should all have a friend that'll call you on when he when you need a friend that calls you on stuff so super grateful for you well thanks too i i i honestly feel the exact same way i think we spend you know, there's, I, I only ride my bike three days a week in the winter because mm-hmm. the other three, I can burn an equal amount of calories being an idiot on text threads with you laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? The other thing we didn't, we're going to need another podcast. Adam was my support one year at Loaded Judge. Do you remember that? Yes. I yes. totally imploded. Just like absolutely the worst race of my life. But there oh, he was in a, in a wig. <laughs> I shed tears for you. Oh. I saw you by yourself. I was just so I remember we I was coming down the backside of Geneva. You drove by me in your car and you're like, they're not they're not that far. Like you can, you can catch up. <laughs> yeah. You got a lot of race left. <laughs> and you're like, I do have a lot of race left. <laughs> Alone. <laughs> anyway. Oh man, I could do this for a long time, but thanks for thanks for the time today, Stu. Thanks, dude. You're awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you.